1: Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Libby Page is a best-selling author with books like The Lido, The 24-Hour Café and The Island Home Under Her Belt. Libby became a mum last year and says that those newborn days when she struggled to bond with her son Robin felt like an emotional winter, despite it being the middle of summer. She wants to normalise the idea that the early days with your baby might be some of the hardest of your life, not the happiest. Libby, a warm welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How are you doing? What's the day been like for you so far? I mean, it's, it's 10 o'clock, so I'm guessing that with a small baby, you've been up for roughly five or six
2: hours already? <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Frazzled probably just about describes it. I think that's been my permanent state since he was born. Uh, we're kind of at a weird stage now where I think he's ready to drop to one nap. Um, also, is very, very active Um so it's kind of that thing of you've got a routine that seems to work and you feel like okay maybe maybe I've got this and then suddenly everything completely changes and now I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing (laughs) oh
1: I mean I I get it I feel it I'm sure that everyone listening is either in it with you or has been there um how old is he is he about nine nine months old uh he's 11 months well 11 11 months. months now yeah so birthday coming up soon yeah um yeah I I totally remember that that feeling of just constantly shifting goalposts like you feel like oh we're doing it we can do it Mm. oh hang on a minute it's all changing and you've got to just
2: reassess everything haven't you exactly it's definitely a knock to the confidence as well because I think yeah as soon as you feel like okay okay I think I know what I'm doing we've got we've got this it's suddenly like feeling like you're completely back to the beginning again and you don't know what you're doing.
1: Definitely. And the nap thing, especially because you know, that's such a huge part of like your routine and your day. And it feels like you're like, okay, well, I can get this done. Even if it's just sitting on your bum watching Netflix, I can get mm. this done during the morning nap, this done at lunch, you know, and you have it all worked
2: out. And then suddenly it's like, hang on a minute, what am I going to do those things? And especially because my, the, so his nap time at the moment is really my main writing time. So I've just, um finished mostly finished editing my fourth book and I'm about to start writing my fifth and yeah those nap times are my precious okay he's asleep bam get to my computer and start working so the thought of one longer nap in some ways I think would help with my writing but um just that in between period where we don't really know what's going on is um very challenging both emotionally but also for my work
1: and no one, no one really discusses this. I mean, people do discuss it, but when you are, you know, thinking about having a baby or you're pregnant, this this element right here doesn't really get talked about. Like you could do all the anti-antenatal classes in the world and read all the books, and I guess that element of just constantly being on your toes and mm. right, what's happening? It is like a sort of
2: fight or flight state mm. constantly, isn't it? And I think how much. Tiny, seemingly tiny, and extremely boring things like naps will totally rule your life and become you'll become obsessed by them. And I remember I was saying last night to my husband, I was like, "I used to be fun. I used to have hobbies, and now this is all I kind of talk about." But and
1: I saw you yesterday on Twitter. I saw you saying something like, "Oh, boring parenting question," or you you kind of caveated it and then asked about, you know, where you get where you get advice from or naps. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, totally understand that." Like I. I was really aware when my so my eldest is 11 now so we're talking a long time ago um but I was really aware I did that classic thing of like I'm not going to change I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. be the same person and then I suddenly became really aware when all of my Facebook updates were about my baby or about like asking for advice and I was like ah I'm that person and I really hate
2: it but you've kind of got to embrace it haven't you? Yeah, and I mean, I know it's something that, you know, lots of people talk about in your podcast, that kind of identity shift, which I think is such a real thing is that, and you know, sometimes I do enjoy the boring stuff, like actually, you know, going to the library together and hanging out and, you know, him pulling books off the shelves. Like I genuinely actually really enjoy that. But then it's balancing with that, you know, before having him, I really define myself, I guess, by my career and my interests and how, how you hold on to that side of yourself i think is something that i'm still getting to grips with and i mean i'm sure that's going to be a learning process over the course of both our lives really
1: yeah and i saw you um i think maybe a couple of months ago saying on social media i'm getting on the train to go to london and those the mixed emotions that that brings Mm. is that kind of freedom and that feeling of like recognition like i remember this and the feelings that it brings but also that kind of tearing yourself away from Mm this kind of small existence I guess that you have when you have a small baby.
2: And it's definitely that I think contradictory emotions happening side by side all the time. I think you know there's no such thing as just feeling one thing anymore. It's you know that as in that situation I was so excited to go but sad to leave him and then also when I got there it was that kind of missing my old life while at the same time being really happy for the life I have now and it's those two things that are complete opposites but somehow exist together I think when you become a parent
1: yeah yeah and even that and just working through those emotions and being okay with those conflicting emotions can be a big thing as well like thinking no I'm not going to feel guilt for enjoying the fact that I'm doing this thing whether it's being in London Mm. or wherever you are you know enjoy being in the moment now and then enjoy going back home, I guess, at the end of the day.
2: And I do think, you know, as he gets a little bit older, I do find that now that I am able to have a few moments like that, I mean, it's still very rare, but it does make me enjoy it more when I get back. I think, you know, everyone needs, whatever your job is, whether it's a mum or, you know, your job outside of parenthood, I think you always need a break from it, don't you? You need to be able to switch off and it's it's harder to do that as a mum, <laughs> but I do think it's important.
1: Yeah, that kind of reminds me, like, we, we do hear this a lot, but you know, people talk about how back in the day, it, you know, there, there's that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. And, you know, in years gone by, there really was a village, whether it was, you know, literally a village of people or whether it was your family, and how so many of us don't have that anymore. And I think that that can make it so much harder, you know, mm. when you're trying to balance things off. And it's this whole notion of like trying to have it all, like trying to have a career, mm. trying to work, trying to be you know, trying to see friends, trying to trying to be fulfilled in yeah. every area of, the light, of your life and yet look after this small human being. That's just so much, isn't it?
2: Exactly. And I, I would say on that village point, though, that one positive, I think, is that I have really found that village on social media. And I think, you know, social media rightly gets a lot of um, bad press. But as someone who I'm kind of the first in my close group of friends to have a baby, and so I don't really have people um that many people in my life to turn to with these questions like the naps you know what am i doing and so i have found actually um social media to be really supportive and helpful for that and i feel like i've found a bit of a community there and and have really relied on that um to yeah just get that kind of crowdsourcing answers to see if um and should try and learn from it really I'm so with you. In fact, you you might not have seen because you probably have a lot
1: going on on social media. But I think in response to your question yesterday on Twitter, where you were like, where do I go for help about, you know, this stage? Um, And somebody who's a very, you know, a brilliant magazine, parenting magazine editor replied saying, just don't look at blogs, you know, read, you know, read expert stuff. And I, it kind of, I I reacted because I'm like no like you know other other mom like bloggers at the end of the day are mums we're yeah, just exactly. mums just like you and I, I've been a journalist mm. for twenty years and even though I'm a journalist I can recognise you know the um the, the the brilliant sort of wealth of information and experience that bloggers have and people on social media and just the benefit of sharing those experiences mm. and crowdsourcing information like you're doing it's just so valuable and
2: and I think then it's you choose what you take from that that you kind of you know people you look at different how different people are doing it and then take from that what you will and and I actually think personally I find just hearing from other mums a lot more easy to digest than kind of manuals. You know, I bought a lot of those when I was pregnant because I'm, you know, a real reader. Um, Obviously, given the nature of my job, um, I was very much like, I'm going to read absolutely everything. And in some ways that did help in pregnancy because it just helped me feel more calm. But as soon as the baby arrived, I then was reading these books and when he didn't match up to what, you know, where he was supposed to be in the the kind of... He hasn't read the books annoyingly. Exactly, I know. Um, So yeah, I think just hearing from real mums is... I find that personally more helpful.
1: I always think like my my kind of thing is, my tactics team seems to be asking loads of people And then working out, okay, what makes sense to me? Because they're all going to be Mm. conflicting. They're all going to be, oh, that
2: works for you. No, no, that didn't work for you. Oh, hang on a minute. Right, what makes sense to me? And sometimes it's just reassurance. Like on that question around naps, I kind of was just scrolling through my responses, looking for people who had a baby the same age as mine, who said they're down to one nap, because it's just that thing of, I think, I do know my baby. You, You kind of, that thing of trust your instinct. When people used to say that to me, I was like, but I don't, I've never had a baby. I don't know anything about babies. How, how can I have instincts? Whereas now I'm thinking maybe I do have instincts, but it's still, you want that reassurance to go, okay, I think this is what I need to do, but let's just check in, see if other people have done that as well. And then it'll make me feel more confident to do the same. Exactly.
1: Yes, it's, good. it's confidence in numbers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now in the intro, I said that you want to normalize the idea that the early days of motherhood can be very, very hard. What has your experience been like since you had your son last summer?
2: Um, I mean, gosh, it's one of those things that I feel I feel awful saying it now, but I used to hear people say, "Oh, you know, being a mum's the hardest job in the world," and I thought, okay, I'm sure it is very hard, but I'm sure people sort of say that to make mums feel validated and feel better. And then now I'm like, oh no, they're actually true. That it literally is the hardest thing. Um, But I guess for me, it's been things that I wasn't expecting that I found particularly hard. So, um, you know, I knew that the sleepless nights would be difficult. I knew that kind of just practically learning how to care for a baby would be difficult, but it hadn't even crossed my mind that I would have to learn essentially to love my baby. I just thought that would be this instant thing and, you know, everything I'd read, everything anyone had told me, everything I'd seen on films or TV was like, it's that moment your baby's handed to you and you start weeping with joy and you feel love that you've never experienced before. And I was was fully waiting for that. You know, I, all throughout my pregnancy, I pictured it and I was like, okay. And in, you know, during the birth, I kept thinking I'm gonna have this moment, I'm gonna have this moment, it's all gonna be worth it. And then when it didn't actually go anything like that, I think it just yeah it totally knocked me and I felt like you know I firstly why haven't I got this you know it's I feel unfair it feels unfair when I see other you know my NCT friends with their newborns and I remember them all being quite gushy about their babies and about you know that early phase and and I was thinking are you are you lying like or surely you can't like what but what are you actually enjoying and now I look back and I realize they must have been having those happy you know they must have had that rush of happy hormones that I just didn't get so I'm sure there was an element of kind of glossing over the harder bits but I also think they genuinely were having a different experience and I just I just didn't have that and for me it's been a much more gradual process but yeah I think um it's definitely definitely shook me, that aspect in particular.
1: That must have been really hard as well, seeing your friends experience it so differently to you, because I'm mm. guessing, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that made you have doubts about yourself. Like, you know, what's what's wrong with me that I'm not experiencing, mm. I guess, the motherhood the normal way, even mm. though it's not the normal way, but you'd probably be thinking that.
2: Definitely. I mean, I remember in those early days and weeks because my husband did have that instant connection I saw it and I saw how much he loved our baby and that bond and I do remember feeling like other than the fact that I was breastfeeding I felt kind of like I wasn't necessary I wasn't part of that family and I saw other friends who did feel seem kind of really gushy and you know seem to be finding their feet more and feel like yeah like what am I doing wrong why am I not experiencing this or finding it so difficult um but I guess one of the reasons I talk so openly about it now is that when I eventually did share that first I guess with my midwife they said you know so many people if anything more people don't have that moment than do and actually it's um you know and do find it really difficult that early stage and yeah since then more and more people have shared their experiences and that's really helped me to think actually it's it's different for everyone and i mean i still think that new bids it's so hard and you know they don't give you anything back they just you know cry and need i mean i was feeding robin every probably about every 45 minutes for the first six weeks and but how, how are you supposed to enjoy that i mean if you're being flooded with happy hormones okay maybe you were you would still have that kind of have that glow but yeah I mean I didn't have that so it's um I mean the word the
1: word that I always come back to about that stage is relentless like it's for me it's the word that just sums up so much because it just feels like it's hard and it's never ending Mm. um it's you know it's it's tough it's really interesting though hearing you saying that you almost felt like your friends must have been lying or you know pretending Mm. and I really like relate to that. I remember when my firstborn was about nine months old, I wrote a blog post, which was called The Big Baby Lie, because I was absolutely convinced that everybody was in on this big conspiracy to make birth and new motherhood seem like this dream. I think Beyonce had just given birth and like the, the way that she described her birth made me be like, what? Like, mm. this isn't real. Um, and of course, for many... That it is blissful and it's wonderful, and like you say, all the happy hormones.
2: Mm. And I think I have to acknowledge that because so a friend of mine had a baby a couple of months after me, and I remember I was kind of poised and ready to be there to kind of catch her, and I was saying, "Okay, if you find it really hard, I'm here. I've got you." Like it's you know, be prepared. I found it really difficult, and actually, she seemed fine. Like obviously, there were you know, there are always challenging um, moments, but she had such a different experience and her challenges were very different to mine. And I guess more practical than that kind of emotional side of it that I really struggled with. And I think it took me a while to realize, oh no, I I should actually just step back and she isn't lying. That is her experience of it, but our experience is also different. Um, I mean, I still do find it a little bit triggering to be honest, when I see see kind of pregnancy announcements where people say, you know, we're on cloud nine I'm so in love, all of this. Like, even now I find that really difficult because I still, I guess now, even more so now that I do absolutely adore my baby, I look back on that time and just think, it's so sad that I didn't have that. And also sad to think that I didn't love him when now, you know, I absolutely adore him.
1: That's really interesting, actually, because I, yeah, I think a lot of people probably feel triggered by things like that, where whether it's pregnancy announcements or, you know, seeing new mums with very small babies mm. if, if they have you know suffered from PND or just you know struggled um you know you're meant to see a pregnancy announcement and just feel like a rush of mm. love and joy and happiness um and that isn't always the case that's yeah I think a lot of people will, will feel that way
2: and I think it's definitely made me more mindful that I guess before I would always have been conscious you know of pregnancy birth announcement announcements of you know, people, and I have, you know, friends in my life who really want children, and, you know, are struggling to make that happen, Um, or, you know, people who experience loss, Um, but then I think on the other side of it, that actually there are people like me who, you know, I guess you feel guilty, because I feel like I have this wonderful, healthy baby, I'm so lucky, and yet I still, I find that hard, you know, and I guess it makes you realise that you just don't really know what's going on for people, and that you kind of, someone can look like they're doing fine um but actually find you know have moments where they just get caught off off guard really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like like the big question I just don't know the answer to is how how should we talk about birth and new motherhood in a way that is most helpful to other people? Because I went on a bit of a mission like I'm gonna tell everyone, like everyone's in on this conspiracy it's my job to set the record straight. And I kind of went around saying to people, oh my God, giving birth, you know, it's so, so traumatic and, you know, it's so hard and lonely being a new mum. And it was quite a while later that I realised, oh God, that's not helpful. Like, because for some mm. people, that's not what they want to hear. And for some people, that's not their experience and what they, what they go on to experience. So how, 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 how do we do it? How do we pitch it?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a hard balance, isn't it? Because I mean, thinking about birth, I personally found it really helpful um, when I was pregnant, you know, kind of doing hypnobirthing, reading positive birth stories. And okay, the birth I had didn't end up being anything like what I'd, you know, these positive stories that I'd read, but I would say up until a certain point, it genuinely did help me kind of be in that positive headspace. space. And um, I have another uh, friend who gave birth, um, yeah not long after me and she did say to me she's like I'm really glad you didn't tell me what it was really like and I thought yeah well why I'm not gonna I don't want to terrify you and also it's hard to comprehend really I think unless you've been through it so it's definitely that balance of I think getting that and and I guess although I do share the difficult parts of parenthood on my social media and you know when I talk to people personally I hope I also shared the really great bits and I think that's it it's just balance isn't it
1: I would say that's one of the things that I love about following you on social media is that is the balance you know you will share just a picture of you and your son um, on the beach I think you shared one or (laughs) in our matching
2: outfits. (laughs) Yeah or
1: like sitting on a picnic blanket and you do share those lovely just like when your heart's bursting with love and and it's and it just comes across so brilliantly. But going back to the the kind of question of what what do we do? How do we pitch it? I, 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 as you were talking, I thought, right, I've got it. I've got the answer. I think we need to put the worst case scenario into a sealed envelope and hand it over to the mother as she's giving birth and be like, that's there for you when you need it. But don't yeah. open it. If, you, if you're
2: <laughs> fine and you're happy, you don't need to open it. So it's like the option. <laughs> and I guess the main thing is really just being there to support mothers afterwards because I think and and I am very aware of this now that I also don't think I would have really absorbed certain things because although I say about you know people hadn't told me um, about this thing if you might not necessarily connect with your baby I actually now remember one of my friends did she said actually that she was really pleased that her mother told her that she didn't instantly love her but you know grew more gradually and but I my friend told me this and I think it just totally went in one ear and out the other because I was so convinced that that wouldn't be me and so I think it's in some ways you can tell people these things but it's actually once you've been through it and it's really cemented it's how do you support people you know once they've felt that and you know once they're experiencing that is kind of the thing that is important. This episode of Not Another Mummy podcast is brought to you
1: by Jim Mondo. I don't know about you, but between children, daily commitments and life admin, finding the time for working out is no walk in the park. What's more, gyms can be intimidating and they just don't work for everyone. So if gyms aren't your cup of tea, join the growing list of people cancelling their gym memberships in favour of working out at home with Jim Mondo. Gymondo is an online fitness and well-being platform with hundreds of 20 to 30 minute workouts and training programs ranging from HIIT and yoga to dance and meditation, plus over a thousand healthy recipes. Aside from the freedom and flexibility Gymondo offers, exercising at home is fun, saves you money, fits perfectly into your lifestyle and helps you stick at your fitness goals. So start a 14-day free trial and save 50% on your annual membership by visiting JimMondo.com, that's G-Y-M-O-N-D-O.com, and entering the code MUMMYPODCAST.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little.
1: So do you think, you know, I, I I was going to ask you that one of my questions that I had um, thought about asking you was, if you could go back and tell your pregnant self one thing, what would it be? Would it be almost like repeating that thing that your friend had said to you and you had gone in one ear and out the other? Or, or is there something else that you think would be more beneficial for you to hear back then?
2: I think maybe if more people had told me that, I think maybe it would have stuck, I guess because she was sort of the lone voice amongst all this, everything else, you know, all the books, films, every other conversation I'd had, it was harder for that to go in. So I guess maybe it's, you know, I would say that of don't worry, it's, you know, it might not happen instantly, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. And in a way, I think I found, you know, that kind of gradual growing has been more i found it more meaningful to me because it's felt like you know we've both developed a relationship with each other at the same time rather than me just pouring all this love on this tiny person who can't give it back i felt like he fell in love with me at the same time that i did him which actually i think that's that's really special so that's really yeah, special when you think that.
1: about think about any other relationship that you have in the world you know i'm guessing with your partner or you know friends like friendships that you've got it's a gradual thing. Mm. Like there, there isn't any other kind of relationship apart from perhaps your own parents. And who knows? You don't even remember when that developed. You don't know mm. whether that was an instant thing or not. But it's never instant. It's it's always this, this slow building, isn't it? Mm.
2: Or at least it is for me. And I think that's something that someone did say to me on social media is thinking about how you fall in love. And, you know, I do know people in my life who they do fall in love very instantly. And so maybe their experience of having children would be like that. Whereas I'm not like that. You know, my husband, he started, we started kind of more as friends and then, you know, it grew and looking back, you can't, I couldn't pinpoint the moment when, okay, I now love you, um, but that's, that's okay and that's just me. So that really helped shift my perspective of thinking, well, I've never fallen in love like that with anyone else. So why would I in this situation?
1: yeah that makes sense um how would you say you've changed as a person since um having Robin I remember when I became a mum I was like holding doors open more for people or letting cars out at junctions because so I kind of I realized later that I wanted the world to be a nicer place because I had this this Aww. baby suddenly in the world <laughs>
2: see that's'm I'm, very... I'm, 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 I'm not like that anymore I'm horrible again <laughs> I was gonna say that's very sweet and I had visions that that is what would happen to me. But I think in some ways, something I've struggled with is that I'm kind of the same person that everything I, I sort of expected, I'd become a mother and suddenly I'd become extremely patient. And, you know, I wouldn't mind waking up at night and all of this, but I mean, selfless. I, yeah. And the fact is I still, you know, I do all the things, but it doesn't mean I don't feel a little bit resentful about it sometimes and I think, you know, that's okay. Like it's okay the fact is you do it, you know, I do get up in the night and look after my baby. I think if I'm there going, Oh, this is a bit annoying I mean the fact is I'm doing it and, you know, I'm providing him what he needs. Um so yeah, I think unfortunately, I mean maybe over time I'll become more patient. Um and, you know, perhaps other people in my life might say they have seen that change in me. It's hard, I think, when it's you to um make that I mean I guess I've seen more change I would say in my professional life weirdly that I actually feel like I'm more productive now than I was before um just because you don't have the time to procrastinate um so you know when I get a short moment of time to get on with my writing I just have to go straight into it and that you know getting into the zone that doesn't exist anymore I'm just I have to be in the zone immediately
1: yeah and I guess I mean you know for a lot of people you know similar to that it's about boundaries it's about you know um you know getting much better at putting those boundaries in place and you know not letting things kind of bleed into each other and thinking no this is my time for writing and that's my time for you know mumming and keeping keep things quite separate.
2: And it is difficult and I'd say that's one of the things I've found most difficult is that constant changing of and especially at the moment because we still haven't really got um child care I mean I have someone who comes in three hours a week uh, on Tuesday to help out um but otherwise I'm kind of fitting in working just when you know he's sleeping and and I do find that really hard of you know I get stuck into my work and then the moment he wakes up it's like right okay I need to completely ignore everything that I've been doing there and get into you know playing with toys on the floor and you know it's that and it does make you feel like you're stretched and you know not necessarily giving either your 100% attention and and I find that really hard because I want to you know I want to give him my full attention and I want to give my work my full attention
1: yeah yeah I mean that that is hard and that's hard I think for anyone you know who has gone back to uh I guess like a regular not that you haven't got a regular job but, you know a <laughs> 95 job mm-hmm. um I remember feeling like that feeling like I'm not I'm not able to give my work 100% I can't give my child 100% and it just left me feeling you know absolutely terrible um Am I right in thinking that you moved back from London to Somerset? Was it when you were yeah. pregnant, or, or yeah. before that?
2: Yeah, so it was. We moved just a couple of months before I gave birth.
1: And do you have family? Is your mum nearby? Yeah, my mum's. Did you grow up there, didn't you? Yes,
2: so I grew up. Um, so my mum lives in a small town about twenty minutes away. So that's been very helpful. Um, yeah, I think having that that support nearby, and in the early days in particular, I mean, she came round a couple of times a week and. I remember when I was in labour, actually, she came in to the house and cooked a fish pie, cleaned the entire house. So when we came back, that was all waiting for us. So, yeah, I think that's I feel so lucky. That is so helpful.
1: That's exactly what you need. That's so, so amazing. Um, What was your own upbringing like then? Um, Because your mum's a writer, too, isn't she? Was she a writer as you were growing up?
2: Um, So she's she's always been very creative and I definitely get that creativity from her. Um, She's done lots of different things. She was a florist, she ran a market research business, Um, she's pretty much always been self-employed so I think that's partly why I have been so drawn to a career that is very much me on my own. I think seeing her work in that way and have that flexibility um, is something I always wanted. Um, The writing she's actually come to a bit later in life um, and her debut novel came out earlier this year um, which yeah it's been really lovely to watch. Um, but yeah, I think definitely grew up in a very creative um, home. And, and also I think I'm a very driven person and I get that from her, particularly as she was most of our life a single mum. So I think, um, you know, seeing her work so hard to provide for us is something that, you know, I really take on board now um, and want, you know, want to do for my son.
1: And was motherhood something that you always kind of saw in your life when, when as you were growing up? Did you always just assume, well, one day I'll become a mum, or was it something that kind of happened? A thought um, that kind of occurred later.
2: I went through phases with it. I think when I was much younger, I probably just assumed that, and then I think kind of early teens throughout my teenage years, I was like, no, definitely don't want to have children. Want to focus on my career um and it was I guess meeting my partner that things changed um he's from kind of a very traditional family setup and I think he always assumed he just assumed and I think even when we'd been only together for a few weeks he assumed right this is it we're gonna get married we're gonna have children (laughs) which was a bit overwhelming for me but actually that confidence you know is something that I now really appreciate that he always had that confidence um because i guess there is always that fear of what if i don't do a good job and that's probably what put me off initially whereas finding someone who um i guess believes that you can do it and that you can do it together kind of helped me think oh yeah um and i guess there was also probably a slightly biological thing which kind of the feminist in me hates to admit because i feel like i want to think i was fully you know using my brain to make the decision but for me personally there was definitely a case of I need a baby like a physical I feel this physical yearning and need to be pregnant and need to have a baby which hit yeah I guess a couple of years ago um that was a very surreal experience
1: and do you think I mean back then thinking back to you know that that time what do you think you're what do you think that your kind of, you know, your vision of motherhood was? You know, we've already talked about how, you know, you you were like, oh, people talk about how motherhood's really hard, but it, it can't be that <laughs> hard. But just on a day-to-day level, what? how did you imagine your life would be?
2: Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I probably was quite naive about it. I mean, the very fact that we didn't really organise childcare, I guess partly with the nature of my job, you know, it is flexible, I can do it. You know, in, you know, it doesn't have to be nine to five, it doesn't have to be in a specific location. So I think when I was pregnant, we sort of just said, Oh, you know, it'll work out. And now I look back and I think, What did I think would happen? Like, what, who did I think would be looking after the baby? I mean, obviously, I'm looking after the baby, and when I'm looking after him, I can't work. So obviously, I need someone else to look after him. That's kind of the, it it just logically makes so much sense to me now. Whereas, I guess. Yeah, maybe I did have visions that he would just sit and play and kind of be... I mean, I think now, I'm thinking back to us getting him dressed this morning. We literally had to chase him around with items of clothing. He was kind of crawling around just in his nappy. And we'd grab him, peel his leggings on, and then he'd be off again. And (laughs) why did I think that I'd be able to work, you know, with that going on around me?
1: Probably because you've seen all those kind of stock images of like mum at a laptop with a little baby on her lap and she's like you know taking calls and answering emails and he's just you know sitting there on her lap like nice and happy so we 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 have all of these images just subconsciously infiltrating our brain don't Mm. we
2: and I guess it is such a it is such a life transformation such a huge shift that I do think it is hard to really visualize it and I guess especially if you haven't seen you know a sibling or a really close friend go through it and really kind of see every aspect of it um I think maybe that's why I was perhaps more naive about it because I was sort of Mm. kind of the first and I I hope now that friends of mine will have more (laughs) realistic expectations and kind of feel more um like you know it's not such a huge shock but then maybe it is a shock for everyone because it is such a a such a huge change
1: it needs to go in the envelope all of this needs (laughs) to go in the sealed envelope i tell you um now okay so i follow a lot of writers on twitter and your posts definitely stand out to me you become like kind of this honest voice of motherhood haven't you like you know like we said you it's 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 the hard stuff but Mm. it's also the good stuff as well um is that something that you have kind of consciously done or is it just in your nature to just talk about what you're going through whatever that might be
2: um I mean I think it probably came about because of that thing of just wanting to share and and wanting answers and I would say that as soon as I talked honestly you know the great you know people sometimes say to me oh it's you know it's so great that you talk honestly you're helping other people which is such a wonderful thing to hear but I also think actually I'm kind of doing it for myself as well as for anything else, you know, because when you, when you are honest, people are honest back with you. And I think I, as a result have had people sharing really, um, personal things about what they've been through that they might not have told anyone else. And I guess that's part of the problem, isn't it? That we're not always sharing the complete truth. Um, I guess also it is partly my nature, um, just talking, you know, talking honestly, um, but i get i think it's something i've learned over recent years you know having struggled um you know with my mental health i think there was a time when i wouldn't talk about that but through a long process i've come to realize that i think it's often the hiding how you're feeling that is worse than actually what you're feeling that you know it, for example my experience of that not bonding straight away it was me feeling guilty about feeling that way that was actually worse in a way than you know, the fact that I wasn't bonding and and I think when you let go of those feelings you have about feelings, if that makes sense, um, things become a lot easier and I think talking honestly is part of that.
1: Definitely and if you think about it, if more people talked about this and normalised it, then potentially you wouldn't have felt as much Mm. guilt because you you would have been like oh this is that thing that people talk about and I could have
2: just let go I could have gone okay I'm just going to sink into this and it will come and I don't need to beat myself up it doesn't mean I'm a terrible person and a terrible mother other people have been through this and I will Fall in love with my baby But it's just going to happen at our own pace
1: um, Now I want to talk about some of the views That you've shared on Twitter And get your take on them here So I, I, I was scrolling back you, you tweet a lot I only got back to like April I think or God, March.
2: <laughs> I feel like that makes me sound very sad But I guess as well no. it, It's that thing of You know, I find... I didn't actually used to like Twitter, but since having a baby, I think it's so quick. And, you know, you can do it in two minutes when you're pushing the pram around the park, but it's like a window into the outside world. You know, I'm there in the park in the rain with my baby, but there are all these other people who are out there and who have maybe experienced the same thing. And and I find that really reassuring. It's so reassuring.
1: And I can hand on heart say that some of the other mums that I met... Met in inverted commas on Twitter when I had a small baby are some of my best friends. Eleven mm. years on, so you know, do not you know downplay the importance of of Twitter or social media. Um, but you talking about using Twitter as you're um, pushing the pram um, segues nicely into the first opinion, which is people who judge mums for using their phones while out with their baby. What's your mm. view on that? <laughs>
2: um it's something I hear so much of and the thing I find hard is, is like sometimes people congratulate me if I'm really talking to my baby they go oh you know it's so great that you're talking to your baby so many mums these days are on their phone and I think I guess it is that thing of until you've experienced and I feel awful that it's taken this to make me change my view that you know previously I might have seen a mum pushing her pram on her phone and you're only seeing a snapshot of her day. Whereas now I realize everything else that's gone on in that day, you know, the hours that she spent playing peekaboo, you know, changing her baby, feeding them, getting up in the night. And I think, yeah, I mean, if you need five minutes on your phone, I mean, partly sometimes to catch up with work emails, to catch up with friends, or just to scroll through Instagram, like you deserve a break, it's absolutely fine. Um, And yeah, I don't think it's something we should really judge Judge people for Interestingly
1: I I was at a really busy London park um, A few weeks ago It was a really hot day And there were loads Like packed park Kids running around um, You know Mums and dads And you know You'd see like Mums sitting on the bench Like on their phone You know And I saw a dad Sat on a bench Reading a book and I thought, oh, that's interesting because my because I still catch myself, even though I totally agree with everything you just said, I do still sometimes catch myself seeing mums on phone or dads on phones so and be like, Oh, and I saw this dad with a book and I was like, It's really interesting. I feel very differently towards you. I don't I, I have zero feelings of judgment towards you because you're holding something paper in your hands. Yeah. Rather than holding a phone, which, you know, you could be reading a book on your Kindle on your phone. You know, we don't we don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> it's
2: funny. and I, I mean, I do have moments where I think, OK, maybe I should be reading a book rather than scrolling through Instagram. But on the other hand, I would also say that one of the things I find really hard since having a baby is just keeping connected with friends. And, you know, I have me- WhatsApp messages that go unanswered for days just because I literally don't have a second in my day to sit down and reply and I feel awful about that because friendship is so important to me you know it's something that features heavily in my books for a reason because it is such an important part of my life and something I so believe in but yeah actually the practicalities of keeping in touch it does take time and so yeah that kind of on my phone I'm now a big fan of voice notes because I can do it while pushing the pram and people look at must look at me like I'm a bit mad, but, you know, <laughs> just sending a message to my friend just because I want to, you know, I want to keep in touch. So, yeah, I think that phone thing, you never know, they might be messaging their mum or, you know, you don't know what they're doing.
1: Also, the interesting thing about voice notes is I do think that there is something about hearing someone's voice. That is, Mm. it it creates that more of a connection than just reading a
2: message they sent you on WhatsApp. So I think it's, I think it's important. Mm, Definitely. And, And I think, you know, motherhood can be a very lonely time. And I think it's, it probably caught me off guard, because again, loneliness is something that I've written about a lot in my books. But I guess when I moved back to where I'm from and you know was married and had a good group of friends, I sort of felt like I was immune to loneliness, and then you realize actually no one is you know it can hit you completely out of the blue at different stages in your life um, and I think yeah, anything you can do to try and combat that is is important,
1: yeah, um okay, next opinion. <laughs> Um, that it's the mothering that makes you the mother. So, of course, you probably won't feel like a mother the moment your baby is placed in your arms. I really like this Mm. one.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, again, going back to that vision I had, I felt like, yeah, when the baby's handed to me, I will feel this insane rush of love and joy and also, bam, I will be a mother. And I guess, you know, on paper I was a mother, but I didn't feel like a mother. I felt like there's this alien that I've got to look after I don't know what I'm doing um but I think it's through all the caring that I have become a mother and I guess I'd also say that that idea of oh bam you give birth and your mother puts so much emphasis on you know people giving birth to their children which obviously not everyone does and it's really made me think yeah actually it doesn't that isn't the bit that makes you the mother carrying the baby isn't giving birth isn't it's everything that happens afterwards
1: yeah yeah I like this one um (laughs) The opinion that you should, you should have taken singing lessons while pregnant because who knew that singing was such a big part of early motherhood? Because it yep. really is.
2: Also, knowing the words to the songs. I'm still yes. terrible for remembering words. I was walking around the park earlier and singing the wheels on the bus and just adding more and more verses because I couldn't think just of any other nursery <laughs> rhymes to sing. And <laughs> yeah, it is just the amount of singing that's involved. And singing in public, like singing. Mm. I don't I don't really go to that many mum and baby classes, but I have been a couple of times to like the rhyme time at the local library. And there's just yeah, you have to get over that um, embarrassment. You just have to go for it. And that previously, you know, I'm not a karaoke person. I'm, you know, that would have been my worst nightmare. And suddenly there I am (laughs) in a room of strangers.
1: I remember um, going to like monkey music with my eldest when she was a baby and and they started singing wind the bobbin up and this was not a song that I knew I'd never heard this song in my life it wasn't sung to me as a child mm. and I was like how does every other mum in this room know this song of course yeah. now I know <laughs> the the verses the choruses I can sing it on demand it's great <laughs> But yeah, it is that that kind of fear. The first time you go to one of those baby classes and everyone just starts singing. It's
2: like, oh. I mean, I still definitely mumble and just kind of guess the melody and the words often to songs which doesn't always go well, but yeah.
1: You got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Um
2: Libby, it has
1: been wonderful to talk to you today. Thank you so oh, much. Thank for you joining so much for me. having me. Um, where can we find you online to hear more from you? As you know, as we've just discussed, you, you're online a lot. So where can we find you? <laughs> uh,
2: so I'm Libby Page Writes uh, on Instagram and Twitter.
1: And your books are available in bookshops, online and in real life, aren't they?
2: And they are indeed. And my latest, The Island Home, is just out in paperback.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me.
2: Great. Thank you.